Welcome, beautiful people to Camp Koji. My name is Joel, and thank you for joining me as I break down the biggest gaming news from the week that was on the only podcast you will ever need. Now, in today's show, we're going to talk about new looks at Final Fantasy 16 and Tears of the Kingdom, PlayStation deleting Spider-Man, and more issues with Redfall. But first, a quick update on this Point Crow story that I was talking about last week. So last week we spoke about a YouTuber named Point Crow who created a Breath of the Wild multiplayer mod that got the attention of Nintendo. They copyright struck a few videos, but since then, Nintendo have increased their strikes up to 28 videos, including non-Zelda videos. Another Zelda YouTuber named Croton Zelda also shared that Nintendo copyright struck a dozen or so of his videos. Now, both creators pointed out that a few of these videos were normal gameplay, but the majority of them were mods and were written right in the description. Now, that is something that I noticed that neither of them actually really focused on, which I, I kind of get it, right? You're trying to get your point across. You're probably not going to focus on the fact that the majority of the, the videos that was struck were um, had modifications on them. Um, Point Crow also in his video was talking about how he sent a an email asking for an appeal um but i'm gonna go ahead and tell you that's not going to happen point crow unfortunately and 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 i don't mean to say it like in a like trying to make light of the situation this is a very serious situation but in all honesty no nintendo's not going to respond to this youtuber it's just not how they do business um i think that there's a lot of people that sometimes forget that uh, Nintendo and just all companies in general are really big, right? They have a lot of, like you have a bunch of different departments. It's not three people in a room uh, kind of doing everything, right? And the thing about it is that sometimes you have um, departments communicate with each other. Other times um, you kind of put these departments and these people together um, to do a job and they're supposed to do their job. Uh, Doug Bowser has absolutely no idea that this is going, taking place, for example, right? Uh, that's not really, Miyamoto has no idea. Uh, Ionuma doesn't know that this is happening, right? This is all really their legal department. And it could have been either someone from within their marketing department, their social media department, or maybe just a regular employee kind of brought it up to someone's attention. You know, this, this is all really happening because of that Breath of the Wild multiplayer. And, you know, the thing about Nintendo is that a lot of people look at these moments and they kind of confuse the nuclear, what I call the nuclear button, which a lot of people look at it as like, why is it that uh, Nintendo kind of goes through to these far extremes whenever people are just trying to have fun? That's really the way that people like to explain it. But this isn't really the nuclear option for Nintendo nuclear option would have been what they were doing like years ago, which was like, no one can make YouTube videos. They were taking a chunk of people's profits when they were making videos. That's sort of looked upon like, wow, that's extremely out of touch. Um, this to me is just, unfortunately point crow is like the nail that was sticking out too much. Right. So he took a risk, but he didn't calculate the risk. That's, the, that's kind of the way that I look at it, is that this multiplayer mod is not the only mod that exists, right? But Nintendo's not going to spend the time, money, and resources to try to copyright strike every single video 
that uh, has a, a Breath of the Wild mod or a tutorial or anything like that about how to modify these types of games or modify your Switch. It's just too much time, money, and resources. The way that Nintendo looks at it is that something, when something hits critical mass, that's when they feel the need to respond. And this Breath of the Wild multiplayer uh, mod sort of hit critical mass. You had a bunch of websites reporting on it and talking about it. Once that happens, Nintendo is really notorious for nipping things in the bud. The other thing that they're notorious for is making an example of someone. But the way that I looked at this Point Crow video is that I'm definitely not going on a blanket defense of Nintendo. I think these types of actions cannot be unanimously defended. Even if you're looking at it as like, yes, they have a, the, the, the sort of they're in the legal arena to perform these types of maneuvers. It's sort of like one of those things where it's like, yes, is legally right, but is it morally right to destroy a person's livelihood <laughs> over the modification of the game even if it leads to people pirating the game, like is, is it, I think that's really the conversation. This is morally correct. Now the thing about that point crow video is that point crow and the people who follow point crow and the people in those comment sections are in the point crow bubble. So if you're in the point crow bubble, it's rare that you have someone go kind of against point crows defense. If that, if I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that makes sense. So I'll give you a few examples. Point Crow had brought up, he made this big deal about the, the fact that of all the videos that were taken down, I have a, a photo in front of me. It was like 26 of these or something like that. Um, one of them was not modified gameplay. It was something called Marion Sidon or Sidon and a bookshelf to create Hyrule's first car that was uh, released in 2019. Now that is the single video out of all the other ones that did not have a mod on it. But the thing about Point Crow is that in his video, he wasn't really pointing out the actual reason why this happened. So he was kind of putting, he was trying to put in this perspective of, look, Nintendo's taking out regular gameplay videos. This is like, this is, we need to panic. You know, you guys need to pay attention. Look at what they're doing. But let's be honest, that one video was collateral damage, right? It's like, it's like um, you're going fishing with a net and a crab finds its way inside the net. That's exactly what's happening here, right? People need to understand that when these types of things happen, they're either handled by a bot, uh, and if and you, maybe you have a bot kind of aggregate a list and then you pick from there. Uh, even if this was sort of reviewed by a human before the uh, copyright claims went over to YouTube, let's be honest, from that title, Mary Inside and Bookshelf to Create Hyrule's First Car, it sounds like it could have a mod in it, right? And when you look at the fact that this person's channel has a lot of modded content, that's why that was included. That, that wasn't included there because now this means that every single, that, that's the way that Point Crow put it out there. Every single YouTuber is at risk. No, that's, <laughs> that's not true. It's, it's fear mongering. That's not what's going to happen here. Nintendo has shown no indications of that. Uh, yes, at one point they, they were really bad with this type of stuff but they've gotten better. Nintendo understands the relationship the same as other game publishers. You guys make YouTube videos, you guys stream it, we get more sales, right? But the thing about Point Crow and even Croton brought up the same thing. He was like, oh, one of my videos, it was like a Lazolfels video, defeating the Lazolfels dressed up as Lazolfels. They copyright claimed that one, even though there was no mods. 
even in his video explanation, it was like a minute long Twitter video. He failed to mention, well, you know, every other strike was a mod, right? So it's obvious that that's what Nintendo is doing. They're, they're striking, they're claiming these videos, copyright claiming these videos because they have modded content. And according to Nintendo, they don't want modded content or, or modded content to get so kind of break the surface of like mainstream uh, games media to the point that more people discover what mods are. I think a lot of gamers are confused and they think that everyone knows what modifications are. That's not true. There are a lot, and I mean a lot of gamers out there that have no idea that you can download a Switch emulator and the version of Breath of the Wild on your PC is a hundred times better than it is on the Switch console, right? And uh, the way Nintendo looks at this is that if someone finds out about this multiplayer mod, it's not like a, a, a leap to piracy. It's, it's a step, right? Because in order to get that multiplayer mod, you need uh, a Wii U emulator, which is CEMU. And then you need a copy of Breath of the Wild Wii U. Now, if you don't have either of those, let's be honest, the overall majority of people that have played Breath of the Wild played it on Switch. How many people have you met that played Breath of the Wild on a console Wii U, right? It's not very realistic. How many people do you think are going to find out about this multiplayer mod and then go out and buy a Wii U and buy a copy of Breath of the Wild for, for, for Wii U? I did the calculations last week on the show. It's about 100 to $160, maybe within that window that you can do those things. And then go through the tutorial of ripping the image and blah, 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 all that stuff. Or are they going to find a tutorial on a Discord or on a Reddit thread that just shows them how to get all this stuff free 99? That's that's the way Nintendo looks at this. Now, the other thing that I've seen uh, claimed by Point Crow, uh, claimed by Croton, claimed by defenders of this stuff, uh, I've even seen other YouTubers comment on this video, is they say that this type of these types of channels, this type of gameplay only leads to more sales. Wrong. You, the only word I can use is delusional. You have to be delusional to think that modified content being shared, modified videos, videos showing uh, modded games or randomizers for Zelda lead to more legitimate sales. You have to be delusional to think that. And in some, some of the, some people have made the comparison to like uh, PC mods. It's completely, it's completely different. The reason why Rockstar doesn't stop people from doing role-playing mods, the reason why Bethesda loved the modding community is because you guys, that, that type of stuff is free labor that leads to more sales of my game because those mods exist on a version that I actually sell, a PC version, right? But mods for Breath of the Wild, you can only get them if you modify the game, right? If you, if you either go the legal route of ripping your game onto your computer or you modify your switch. But let's be honest, the people who are doing this are getting it through piracy, right? Like that's, that's the thing about it. Like even if you go the legitimate route and you use a Wii U emulator or a modded switch or switch emulators to do this in order for you to play Breath of the Wild at 4K at 60 frames per second, it's a gateway. Once that door is shown to you, you're going to be extremely tempted to walk through it and say to yourself, man, this game that came out on Switch looks really interesting, but 
I don't know if I want to buy it. Oh, look, I could just download it for free. Do you guys remember when Metroid Dread was playable on PC before it was playable on Switch? And at launch, uh, these people were able to get it running on the emulator at 60 frames per second. It looked way better than the Switch version. You know, you're telling me that those people, uh, even if you went the legal legitimate route, if you told them, hey, you can play Metroid Dread three days, four days, I think it was like three or four days early, and it looks way better than the Switch version. They're not going to go out there and pirate and download the game. Come on, man. Let's, let's be realistic here. Now, this is where I think that I don't even look at it as defending Nintendo. I just look at it as like, that's, some, in my opinion, that's common sense. Croton and Point Crow are both responsible for Breath of the Wild sales. That's 100% fact, okay? But where I draw the line is modded gameplay. Your modded gameplay does not lead to more legitimate sales. The gameplay, the type of stuff that Croton puts out there, which are like, hey, let's beat the whole game using this particular armor set, for example, right? That type of stuff hell yeah, at least a Breath of the Wild sales. And Nintendo knows it. They know it does. That's why they're not nuking all these videos off of that. But for Nintendo is nipping it in the bud. Modded content does not lead to legitimate sales. It is not true, <laughs> okay? It is a delusion for anyone to think that way. Now, where I definitely 100% disagree with Nintendo is the fact that they copyright struck this person's channel. They issue two cap copyright strikes. And for those that don't know, the way that YouTube works, three strikes and you're out. That's horrible. Horrible. That is indefensible. Even if someone wants, I, I've seen some people go in the comments and go, ah, you know, it's your fault. You shouldn't have put modded gameplay up, blah, 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 right? Um, there's, there's no defending that. There's no defending a billion dollar company destroying someone's livelihood because if this person now gets a third strike right and it's not there's it's not reversed by youtube done that entire channel is deleted that person has over a million uh, um, um, subscribers to his youtube channel i'm sure this is a really important chunk of this person's revenue right? Because your channel is not just about AdSense. It's also how you fund and funnel into other uh, endeavors that you have. This is destroying this person's life. But the way that Nintendo looks at it is that some people are like, wow, Nintendo, you're so cruel. But the way that Nintendo as a company looks at it is like, I'm destroying one channel. And by destroying this one channel, I'm literally, my effort, what I'm trying to do is nip it in the bud, right? I guarantee you right now, this already has, a, has had a positive effect for Nintendo. I guarantee you, at this moment, there are, there are thousands and thousands of YouTube channels deleting modded gameplay from Legend of Zelda or modded gameplay from Nintendo games. There are people right now that had a modded gameplay recorded and said to themselves, yeah, probably I'm not going to post this now. That's what Nintendo wants. Nintendo wants that... It seems kind of inevitable, right? It's inevitable that Tears of the Kingdom will be modded, that Tears of the Kingdom could be pirated, that you'll be able to have it running on your PC, and it's going to look and run better, way better than the Switch version. What they're hoping for is that these types of strikes, right, putting two strikes on this person's channel will make other people think twice about putting up Tears of the, the, the Kingdom game, modded gameplay. To them, 
that's a win. It's horrible. It's, it's, it's really, really awful. But when you look at the perspective of a business, when you look at the perspective of Nintendo always being, remember, Nintendo hasn't changed. This is just what they do. To them, this is a, a straight W. Even if for the rest of us, it's like, Jesus Christ, man, that's awful. That's horrible that you would destroy a person's life for something like this. And look, let's be honest. Even if this person put up 20, 30 multiplayer modded videos, it's not having that big of an impact of sales. Let's, let's, just, let's just keep it a buck. It's not. But Nintendo, Nintendo doesn't stop snowballs. They stop snowflakes, right? They stop it from the very beginning before it can grow. Because for them, they look at it as they always look at the worst case scenario is that if we allow this to be normalized, if we let people do this, if we let people um, mod our games, if we let people make 2D Metroids and a sequel to Ocarina of Time, that is just going to keep snowballing and going and going and going and going. And you have a company that right now wants to rent out games, right? All their classic NES, SNES, N64, Game Boy, all of them are rented now. They don't even sell these games anymore. So for them, it's like if I nip it in the bud now, within the next decade, my hope is that no one pirates my games. I'm trying to I'm trying to bring piracy down, right? I'm trying to bring the the um, the awareness of this world down. I'm trying to shrink it, and that's why I'm doing this stuff. It's it's awful, man. It's it's horrible, horrible to see something like that. Now, uh, another thing that happened last week was last February, someone leaked the entirety of the Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom art book. Nintendo has filed a subpoena to force Discord to identify that person who originally posted those images. Also last week, a GameStop employee, they posted an internal image uh, that basically sort of confirmed that the Zelda Switch OLED edition was about to be announced. I think they posted it either the day or the morning of that Zelda Direct that was going to happen. And mind you, that console leaked like months ago, right? That's the person that Nintendo needs to, should be actually kind of going after. The person that leaked those internal images of that Zelda hardware, which is very rare that we see that type of leak from Nintendo. But instead, they went after a GameStop employee. That's that's pathetic, man. It's it's pathetic. It's gross. It's an abuse of power. Um, if it's true, remember, this is all um, speculation. It could have just been GameStop's decision. Apparently, the employee said that their manager said, yeah, this is coming down from Nintendo. I'm going to be honest. I I kind of find it a little bit hard to believe that Nintendo would be focused that much of a microscope. Uh, but I'm not, I wouldn't fully rule it out, but it's still speculation. But if we live in a world where that's true, that's pathetic, man. That's that's absolutely pathetic. Even though it's a good thing. Don't work for GameStop. You know, the, the Nintendo probably did that person a favor, to be honest with you. Don't don't work for GameStop. It's a horrible, horrible company. But yeah, it's it's um I might make a YouTube video talking about this, but I don't think it's just as simple. And I, I do think it's a little bit of fear-mongering. To tell people like, look, now Nintendo's gonna take down your normal gameplay videos. No, they they went after this. They're not Nintendo's not even gonna um I guarantee they're not gonna employ a nuclear option for modded videos, right? Because they could, right? Nintendo could copyright claim every single uh video that has modded and Zelda in the title. They they could theoretically do that, right? The reason why they're doing this to this person is that unfortunately you are the it's it's like it's like a um a district attorney 
who wants to run for president in six years, right? They're going to make an example out of you, right? Uh, and, and that's really the way that Nintendo looks at it. It's like, I'm going to make an example out of you because when I do this, it is going to prevent other people from doing this in the future. Unfortunately, it's not really true now, is it? <laughs> right? Because people still do it. The other thing about this is that the other thing that Nintendo knows is that their fans are their fans forever. Nintendo is just that comfortable in what they do, is that they understand that. You guys say you're going to leave. You guys say that you hate me. In 48 hours, you guys are going to forget about this. Nintendo can nuke this person's channel off the face of the earth, right? And you would hope the response would be other creators, other YouTubers, other streamers, big time ones making this public declaration of I'm never going to talk about Nintendo ever again. I'm never playing a, a Nintendo game publicly again. I will never stream one. I will never make comments. I will never make reviews. Okay. That would probably make a little bit of an impact. And the company will probably go like, oh man, you know, like, wow, like this, this, this is bad because Nintendo does rely on creators. That's part of, that's one of publishers marketing arms. One of their marketing arms is influencers and creators and streamers and, and, and YouTubers. Right. But unfortunately, it's not going to happen because this is just like Point Crow, just like Nintendo. That was his channel. This was his livelihood. It's the same for everyone else. Point Crow right now could make this decision. Let's say he keeps his channel. Point Crow could make the decision of, I'm never going to do any Nintendo content again. But what happens? That's been your brand for years. Your channel's going to suffer from it. What are you going to do? You're going to go pivot and start playing Valorant now? The views are not going to be the same. Even Point Crow himself, I guarantee you, is not going to stop making Nintendo con content. What he's probably going to do is probably never put modded content up anymore. But he created a channel. That's his livelihood. That's his job. It's just not that easy to just pivot and just delete everything, right? And that's what Nintendo looks at. They understand. They know it. They know that you can't counter suit. You're not going to take them to court and try to make a fair use case. That's not going to happen. Nintendo knows that you're not going to do that. That's why they feel perfectly comfortable with doing this. And like I said, their fans are going to complain and they're going to get angry. And then they're just going to forget about it within 48 hours. How many times has it happened? Remember Smash Cancellation like a week before? Those people that are angry at Nintendo, they haven't stopped playing Smash. They haven't stopped creating Smash content. All that Smash content, those tournaments, they lead to sales. You're helping Nintendo. 48 hours after you say, oh, they're the worst company ever. I hate them. They hate, they hate their fans. It's a, it's, it's a toxic relationship that Nintendo fans are in. You love Nintendo, but Nintendo doesn't love you. And I know it, it just, it, it must really suck. Our next story, Final Fantasy 16 and Zelda Tears of the Kingdom had some new gameplay shown off last week. And we're going to start off with uh, Final fantasy so final fantasy 16 had a state of play it was a few minutes uh i am not a final fantasy fan never have been probably never will be even with the advent of this game nothing against the actual content of the game i'm just not really into turn-based rpgs like unless the ip really speaks to me like uh i love the mario and luigi games superstar saga type of stuff that's turn-based um, South Park games. I love the South Park games, even though that's turn-based combat. 
Um, I'm just not really into turn-based RPGs because I don't know, my brain just can't connect. A lot of people always ask me a question of like, why, why don't you like turn-based RPGs? It's like my brain can't make the connection to the action I'm seeing. I'm so used to being in full control of an action game that I don't like watching a game where I have to stop and pick an attack or heal or whatever. And then I attack and I can clearly see the attack hit the person and all of a sudden uh, four letters show up that say miss, <laughs> you know, that type of stuff. I just, I just don't like it. And that's okay. You know, it's, it's, it's all right. We have our likes, we have our dislikes. Um, it's just not my cup of coffee. If you love uh, turn-based RPGs, more power to you. I see you guys having fun. You guys are eating really, really good right now. This is like, we've seen such an explosion of turn-based RPGs, especially if you own a Switch. But Final Fantasy, so for that reason, Final Fantasy just hasn't really um, appealed to me. Um, this is the first one in a while that looks kind of appealing. And if you look at the gameplay, it just looks phenomenal. And um, I just love the art style, just Square Enix in general. Square Enix has some of the best artists, uh, some of the best musicians in across the industry. And they've been kind of at the top of that game for such a long time. And when you look at Final Fantasy 16, it's such a PlayStation 5 game. Like you look at that game and it just looks clean. It's squeaky clean. It's just, it's just beautiful. Uh, this is why PlayStation fans give Xbox fans so much shit. Because you look at this game compared to what Xbox is doing. And it's just like, man, it's just like you guys can't even compete, man. PlayStation's really putting the money in the right places um, when it comes to this type of stuff. It just looks really, really clean. These environments, uh, especially the outdoor, like the forest environments look really good. Um, but I will say the story, just nothing. It's just doing nothing for me. It doesn't look appealing at all. Um, it's just not something I'm I'm really interested in. If I pick up this game and I'm still not completely sold, it would just be purely off of the gameplay. Um, uh, yeah. Like the gameplay itself looks really, really, it just looks really good. It looks like a really shiny, graphically superior Devil May Cry to me. You know, I just really like uh, the gameplay of it. I also really like that they made it a note of like, hey, if you never play Final Fantasy, you're okay. You can, you can, you can play this, which is something that I'll be honest, I was a little concerned about. I'm sure a lot of other people were too. Um, and I also like that they add added a bunch of mechanics outside of just, difficulty modes like they have a story and i think action is the other one um where there are like these equipments that you can put up and it slows down the gameplay or it increases the timing window of dodges or automatically dodges um i wish more games did this because i tell you that, look if you're a gamer like myself if you're listening to this you probably are these types of games, there's no intimidation when it comes to these games for, for, for you, right? Maybe you start off with normal, hard, even if you put it on easy. There's nothing about the action you see on screen that looks intimidating. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of people, whether they um, have accessibility issues or not, a handicap or not, there are a lot of people that probably look at this game and it looks very, very overwhelming. And it's great to have these types of options out there because they are optional, right? So someone can start this game off and maybe they're interested in it, but like they're intimidated by it, but they watch the state of play and they're like, okay, cool. There's this equipment that can help me out. They can start the game off, put all that equipment on, and then eventually maybe take some of it off. Take that ring off that uh, you know slows down time for, your, for, for, for dodges or parries and see if you could do it yourself. 
And then that way you can sort of get better and improve. So I, I wish more games had that type of tactic. I think it's something that um, I feel like works really, really well. And then we had a new look at Legends of the Tears of the Kingdom. And this is by far, without a doubt, the best look at the game uh, that we have seen yet. Uh, Nintendo definitely keep, has kept up with the tradition of just really good Zelda trailers, you know, uh, especially even the Breath of the Wild. Like, uh, in comparison, Breath of the Wild, the launch trailer, the first trailer is way better than anything showed on Tears of the Kingdom. I think Nintendo was holding it close to their vest a little bit too tight. Um, but this is the one that I feel like if anyone was on the fence about this game, this sold them. Like, if you are a person that you had zero interest in Zelda. I don't think that this was something that uh, sold you. I don't think there's anything that Nintendo could do to actually sell you on the game. But I feel like if you were on the fence a bit about this game, and I know a lot of people looked at it like the game looks like glorified DLC. Even me, when I saw that last trailer, I was like, man, none of it really excited me. I, w I, I didn't look at it from the extent of like, wow, this just looks like a Breath of the Wild mod, like some people were, were talking about. Um, there was just nothing about it that seemed really exciting to me. When I think about Zelda, for me, one of the reasons why I like Zelda as a franchise is I really love the dungeons. And it's something that I missed in Breath of the Wild. Um, like, yeah, the trials were really cool, but there was just something about being put into an enclosed area and have, having to figure out a way to get out of that area. And then knowing that there's like a new cool item in there and new boss and even if they were to modify that, like maybe they're not item based. Uh, like I saw in the trailer that they were like these, uh, these companions, like maybe the companions are the, the reward now when you go through uh, some of these dungeons and it looks like they showed off things that look like dungeons, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's, it's sort of one of those things where um, it, this appealed a little bit more to me in terms of what I'm looking for. Uh, in 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 a Zelda game, I'm definitely not as hype as as everyone else is, um, but uh, it it just looked really 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 good. I'm sure that it uh, kind of shut down a lot of doubters that were looking at that last trailer and that 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 direct that they did uh, and felt that well this is just DLC and here comes Nintendo like oh you, you guys are gonna eat eat those words in a few weeks. And that's exactly what happened because everything in this trailer just, it just, it, it just exploded, right? <laughs> like it, you just see like, it was like this mine It's like, almost looked like a, a, a mine cart sort of underground area. That was, you know, mission impossible, free falling lasers. And it, it just, it looked really, really good. There was like a rocket arm thing, a sword shield combination. Like, it just looks really crazy. And, and and I like that Nintendo understands that they have this advantage over every other publisher out there. And the advantage that they have is that this is a brand that I've been building for over 25 years, specifically talking about Zelda. Breath of the Wild, you guys are still talking about it six years after it released. I know that I can work on this game with my head down and I could create a two-month marketing plan, and I'll be just okay, <laughs> you know? Because when you look at the other trailers, it was just, uh, you know, a taste, pretty much, right? That they were giving you. And But I, I like that they did this trailer um, because 
I feel like it really expanded the amount of people that were are now way more interested. Now that they understand, like, okay, wait a minute, they actually put their whole foot into this game. It's not just a map modification uh, that I'm sure that some people were. I, I, I'll be honest, I think it's understandable that some people were feeling that way because Nintendo really wasn't talking or showing off anything. Um, but yeah, it just it just looks really good, and they understood the advantage that they have, which is like, yeah, we really. We won't have to do previews. We won't have to do media invites so they can write and talk to you about. We don't need that stuff. That's unnecessary to us. We don't even have to talk about the game. We won't have to tell you exactly what the story is. We won't nothing. We know you guys are gonna buy the game. Matter of fact, we're just gonna raise it up by ten dollars because I know we can get away with it. And that's exactly um, what they did. So, mad respect to them. Our next story deals with uh, PlayStation. So. Last week, PlayStation announced their next wave of PS Plus Extra and Premium games, which included hits such as Kenna and Doom Eternal. But the real story was a game being removed. In the same blog post, Sony announced that Spider-Man was being removed from the PlayStation Plus game catalog next month. Now, this is something that I feel like I predicted on Camp Koji. But I think more when I spoke about it and when I spoke about the PS Plus being redone when they expanded it to Essential Extra and Premium, I said that I respect and I understand PlayStation games not going there day and date. I 100% agree with that tactic. Just because Xbox does it doesn't mean PlayStation needs to do it. And let's be honest, the reason why Xbox did it it's because they needed to do it, <laughs> okay? They needed this big top-of-the-line bullet point to sell this brand-new subscription service. And a big bullet point that you can put on there is every game that we publish is going to be there day one. And I'm sure that if Xbox could take it back, at some point they're going to get to a point where they go, man, I kind of wish I could take this back. <laughs> but they know that, yeah, if their cycles get really good, and uh, the games, they keep putting out some more bangers out there and they get to the point where maybe they're putting out a few games per year because of the amount of studios that they have. I'm sure that, you know, when a Fallout 5 come, or, or the next Elder Scrolls comes out, they're going to go, man, I kind of wish that we didn't make that promise, you know? Um, but that's the promise that you made. You got to keep to it. It's not going to be very good if you reneged on that. But uh, yeah, so when it comes to PlayStation, I had said that I understand why they don't put their games day and date because they don't need to. I think it's I think the tactic that they're employed is the perfect one. But I, I specifically remember mentioning that they need to put their first party content on it. They need to keep it on there. And it's really unfortunate to see Sony doing this because we all know why they're doing it. Right. So the only last week was a very interesting week because. One of my favorite things about video game discourse is console wars. Like I, I watch console wars with a bucket of popcorn. I, I, I love it. I love it because I think it's so pathetic to be honest with you. I think it's really pathetic to see people that have Twitter accounts solely dedicated to defending a plastic box that they spend their entire days going into other people that are enjoying Xbox and tell them how much it sucks or every little small trip that a company has, right? So Forspoken flopped. Every single Xbox account has to talk about Forspoken. Oh, look, look at the 
the Metacritic versus this game, blah, 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 right? And then, you know, uh, anytime Xbox does something uh, really bad or they get a delay or something doesn't launch, every PlayStation account is dedicated to it. It's just the funny, it's just the most pathetic comedy I've ever seen in my life. It just makes me laugh. So last week was interesting because you had these two stories where um, both Sony and Xbox um, did something wrong. Sony removing Spider-Man from uh, PlayStation Plus was wrong. And then Xbox, which is the next story, announcing that Redfall is launching at 30 frames per second, right? Um, but here was the, the interesting thing. I felt like when I looked at, I uh, mostly just on Twitter, looked through the comment sections, Xbox stands and fans were pissed off. Like they were very, very angry at what Xbox did, which was announcing that Redfall is launching at 30 FPS or, or Arcane kind of technically made the announcement. But PlayStation fans and, and stands, I guess I should say, were defending this Spider-Man move like it was nobody's business. Now, now there were definitely some people like, wow, this is this is awful that, that, that Sony did this. But then you had your Sony stands are like, oh, who hasn't played that game by now? You know, or or stop being broke, stop being poor, just go and buy it, blah, 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 blah. Um, it's just weird to me to see fans and consumers of a product essentially shoot themselves in the foot. Like you're so used to just mindlessly defending a company that when they do something that's probably not a good thing, right? You just, your default, your neutral is just complete blanket defense and deflection of any type of criticism. And you need criticism. You need it. Because the thing about it is that when PlayStation makes these types of announcements and every, almost every company does this, when they make an announcement, their social media team is gaining data right? They're looking at how a bl the blog posts perform, how many people read through it. Uh, they're looking at how many tweets, how many retweets. And what they do is that they, they kind of get a feeling and then they show up to their weekly meeting and they put up a PowerPoint and on that PowerPoint are top comments. Every company does this for those that don't know. So they'll put up these comments and say like, yeah, you know, there was a little bit of a concern about us removing a first party game from our first party subscription service. How are people feeling about it? And if they go through it and they go like, yeah, you know, it looks like some people were upset, but we also had other fans that were defending us and saying like, yeah, you know, you should have played it already. Oh, you have until May 15th to play it. It's okay. You have enough time. Blah, 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 blah. So when you get something like that, when it's not weighted one way to the other, what you're telling PlayStation is PlayStation is now comfortable with this. And you're telling them like, okay, um, Horizon Forbidden West, I think, was recently added to PlayStation Plus. That's going to be removed, right? So now it's like you're, you you open this door and you're allowing them to open a door and walk through and, and you're holding the door for PlayStation. You're like, yeah, go ahead, come through. It's fine, right? So PlayStation has now set this precedent that even their first-party content is not safe from their own first-party subscription service. It's just wrong. Like, I, I understand not putting your games there day and date. I get that. I actually agree with that strategy that PlayStation has employed. But there's no way I'm defending this. This is like, you know, Netflix, um, the new season of Stranger Things, whatever. I can't remember. What is it? What is it? Season five is the next season or whatever. And three months, four months before that season debuts, they remove uh, season one, two, three, and four off of the service, off of Netflix. But you can go ahead and buy the Blu-ray or you can download the digital copy of the seasons, 
wouldn't you go, hold on a second, Netflix, <laughs> isn't this your show? What are you doing? And the thing about it is that it's very blatant as to why PlayStation did this. At first, I was like, man, there's really no reason to do this. But I was thinking from like a logical perspective of like, you own this stuff. Your main competitor has not done this yet, right? We just saw a few weeks ago, Quantum Break was leaving and everyone said the same thing. Isn't Quantum Break yours, Xbox? Like, how is this game leaving Xbox? And Xbox was very quick to say, oh, unfortunately, it's a licensing issue. We're working on it. We're going to try to get back on the service as quickly as we can. Boom. Done. Right? Um, but for PlayStation, it's very, it's obvious why they're doing this. Spider-Man 2 comes out in a few months. It's rumored right now Jason Schreier just brought this back up to the surface that uh, it looks like Spider-Man 2 is targeting a September release date. So that's just a few months from now. So the way that PlayStation looks at it is like, okay, if I remove this game, um, then I can just sell more copies. Because if, if, in order to play Spider-Man 2, you need to play Spider-Man 1. And some people are looking at, well, well, Joel, if that's the case, why is Miles Morales still on there? Well, number one, Miles Morales, even though it's an addition, um, it's not part of the main line, right? Spider-Man, Spider-Man Miles Morales is Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man 2 is a sequel to Spider-Man, right? But the more important distinction is that the Miles Morales contract is probably not up yet. Now, even if something is internal, contracts still need to be drawn up, right? Um, uh, limitations still have to be posed. Dates still have to be set. So just like what, what happened with Quantum, uh, Quantum Break, uh, there's no perpetuity contract, even if it's something internal, right? For you to uh, put something onto your, your, um, your service, right? You still, uh, they still have to work with remedy, right? Because they created quantum break. Uh, they maybe still have to work with the actors that have their appearance in there. Um, but even with something like Spider-Man, even though you, you own Insomniac, uh, Spider-Man is owned by Marvel, right? So that character is owned by Marvel. I'm sure that Marvel has somewhere in the deal, that, hey, uh, yeah, you license this character for it to be in your, your game. Maybe it's licensing, excuse me, maybe it's, maybe it's flat fee, maybe it's percentage. But there's definitely a separate deal when we're talking about streaming services. There's no way that, Xbox, that, that uh, Marvel just allows that. Same thing when they try to port this over to PC. You have to go back to Marvel in order to get new licenses made. So from my point of view, the Miles Morales contract has not expired. The Spider-Man one expired. And the way that PlayStation looks at it is, okay, we can renew this or we cannot. And they probably looked at it. Maybe it was a month away from expiration. They said, nah, just let it expire. Spider-Man 2 comes out. We can just go ahead and uh, take it off so that more people will, um, you know, go ahead and, 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 and buy it, pay full price for it. And at some point, we'll bring it back. That's what we're going to do. And it's, it's painfully obvious that that's what they did. So it's just weird to see PlayStation like you guys. Uh, what is it? You can't see the what's that saying? You can't see the whole elephant or you can't see the, the forks through the trees, whatever it is. You're just too close. You're too close to PlayStation where you're shooting yourself in the foot by defending something like this because you are uh, uh, theoretically uh, discounting uh, this, the the um, the value of your subscription. When you defend stuff like this, whether you play Spider-Man or not, whether you finished it, none of that matters. What you are essentially doing is you're discounting the value of your subscription service because it's not going to stop here. 
eventually, even if you finish by whatever, eventually PlayStation is going to remove a game that you were actively playing, you had on your backlist to play that they own, that's their property. And then at that point, you might say, well, this is getting ridiculous. <laughs> but you have to call it ridiculous right now. You need to understand that companies listen to this type of stuff. And if you are showing that, comfort, that, that company that you are comfortable with them doing this, then they're going to continue to do it. You have to be very vocal, especially on social media, and say, no, this is unacceptable. It's unacceptable that you guys are removing your own first-party content because it's understandable removing third-party content. I get that, right? You, you sign a deal for six, six months to, to 12 months is usually the typical deal. And then at some point, five months, 11 months in, you look at the numbers and you say, you know, we, we can go for a round two. Let's talk to this publisher. Maybe we can get, we can, we can keep it on here. If not, then we're just going to go ahead and remove it. But it's understandable when it talks about third party, but it doesn't make any sense for first party. Now, our final story is about Redfall. So last week, Redfall developers Arcane announced that the game will be shipping with, uh, Sorry, shipping with quality mode only. So the Series X will run the game at 4K at 30 frames per second, and Series S will hit 1440p at 30 frames per second. A 60 frames per second performance mode is planned for release after launch. So this, this story really exploded last week. Um, but in contrast to the PlayStation stands, the Xbox stands, the ones who bleed green, were visibly upset. They were not happy hearing about this. And I, I, I honestly, I think the reason why is because they're they're in these really ridiculous, stupid console wars. And it's like, it's almost like when you do this, you're making your fans look bad because they're trying so hard to defend you against the people that bleed blue. You know, and it's like, it's almost like you're looking across the battlefield and you see the Final Fantasy 16, you're seeing Spider-Man 2, and they look amazing, and they're running great. And it's like seeing a row of tanks. And then if you're on the Xbox side, you bleed green. Uh, it's, it's like Xbox handing around, handing out rifles from World War II and saying, go out and defend us, you know? I think that's really why the Xbox stands were upset. It's more the principle of the whole thing of like, man, you guys are making us look really bad. We're trying to defend you. We can't when you guys keep doing this stuff. So a lot of people were upset. It kind of blew up, it exploded. And um, I have a couple of thoughts about this. Um, number one, it's not that big of a deal. People are making uh, a big deal. Excuse me. Let me let me uh, rephrase that. Playing this game at 30 frames per second is not a huge deal. Okay. Um, the issue, though, is the precedent that's been set by Xbox. That's the prime issue at hand here. It's not the fact that this game is running at 30 frames per second. The problem is the expectations that Xbox themselves have set. Playing a first-person shooter at 30 frames per second does not mean that it's unplayable. As some people have put out there, some people are saying, this is unplayable, there's no way that I can do this. No, that's not really the case here. Um, the problem is more from Xbox's perspective. If we remember correctly, Xbox from the very beginning that they announced this console 
when they announced it way back in uh, December uh, of whatever year that was. I'm sorry, I can't remember. It was during the Game Awards. They branded it as the world's most powerful console. They made this big hoopla and this big deal about it being able to run games at 120 frames per second, right? It was something that, you know, was was practically plastered everywhere about uh, how games run at 60, how games run at 120 frames per second. And they made it a part of their identity. When you do that, and you sort of stick to it, right? For the most part, I can't remember the last time. Actually, I do remember. It was a Plague Tale, the Plague Tale sequel. sequel. Outside of that, it's very rare that you come across a game that it's, comes out for PlayStation 5 or comes out for Xbox Series X where there's not a performance mode. Now, for me, whenever I play a game, it's always performance mode. And so far from everyone that I know, everyone plays performance mode when you play on console. Um, it's just it's just hard to go back. Once you hit 60 frames per second, it is jarring to go back to a game that's 30 frames per second. Right now, for the last few days, I've been playing Ghostwire Tokyo on Xbox. And the moment I fired it up, I was like, this is, this is not good. Like, you could just tell. Like, I could tell it's not running at 60 frames because every time I use my Xbox console to play a game um, or PlayStation 5, you know, Last game I played before Ghostwire was Resident Evil 4. It's running at 60 frames per second. And lo and behold, I went into the options. Yep, it defaulted on quality. Switch over to performance mode for Ghostwire. Perfect. Game was 100 times better. Now, could I play Ghostwire Tokyo at 30 frames per second? Yes. Yes, I could. But the problem is, you know, uh, Xbox has set this expectation for me as a consumer. The expectation you set for me is that every game, especially the games that you and your teams create, Arcane is part of that team, is going to launch at 60 frames per second. And the thing about it is, once again, you, you, you're getting someone used to some, something, right? It, I, you know, It's like having a 4K TV in your house, and all of a sudden someone swaps it out for a 10K, 1080p TV, and they say, I, I need to borrow your TV for a few months. No, this is this is unwatchable. I can't do this, you know? It's because you, you're used to a new way of living and a new way of operating. Now, I own a PlayStation 5, I own a Series X, and I own a pretty good PC, right? For the most part, especially because of DLSS, I can run games pretty well, right? Um, I can usually push 100 frames per second, sometimes go up to 120, sometimes exceed that. Imagine, imagine Redfall, being announced for PC and saying it's capped at 30 frames per second. Could you imagine the uproar you would have? <laughs> the reason why PC gamers are like that is because they've been conditioned. They've been used to uncapped frame rates. Any game right now that you announce coming to PC that has a capped frame rate, I don't want it. That's how PC gamers are. And it's like, that's not them being difficult, right? That's not them being spoiled. That's been their way of living. <laughs> So it's like PC gamers are looking at console games and they're like, you guys are complaining about that. You guys are happy with 60. If it's not 120, I'm not happy, right? Because they're used to uncapped frame rates. It's the same thing with Xbox. These guys are used to being able to run their games at 60 frames per second. The other issue that Xbox ran into is that every single time they showed this game, it was at 60 frames per second. That's a big, big problem. And whoever's responsible, whether it's Arcane, 
uh, actually, it wouldn't be Arcane. It's probably Bethesda and or Microsoft or you know, Microsoft slash Xbox that's responsible for showing this game consistently at 60 frames per second, showing it on PC hardware, and never talking about Xbox. And you see, the problem is that you guys have set a precedent that the stuff that you're showing, when you're showing it to me at 60 frames per second, right? This happened with uh, Halo. It happened with some of the other games, even Ghostwire Tokyo recently, right? Um, I know that I'm going to be able to play it on Xbox at 60 frames per second. You guys broke that trust. That's what you guys just did by by doing this, by showing it at 60 frames and then pulling the bait and switch and saying, oh, it's actually only going to be 30 on console. And the thing about it is like, the game is just a few, this is a few weeks away. You're a few weeks away from launching this game. And now you spring this up on people that and maybe already pre-ordered it and were already excited about it. Now, look, if this is the reason you're not playing this game, you're not excited about this game. Let's be honest. This is not a deal breaker. The deal breaker part of it is not the fact that Redfall is running at 30 frames per second. The deal breaker of it all is that Xbox continues to disappoint fans. <laughs> Xbox continues to run out of I uh, run out of reasons to buy an Xbox. Like I still to this day get family and friends asking me, "Yo, what would you get, Series X or PlayStation 5? And I always say the same thing. Uh, Google uh, Game Pass game list. Look at that game list. If, there, if you can identify a lot of those games that you want to play, get an Xbox, get Game Pass. That's what I always say. Uh, and then I say, and then go and Google PlayStation exclusive games, uh, past, present, and future. And if that list is more appealing than the Game Pass list, get yourself a PlayStation 5. Because PlayStation 5 is where you go for exclusive, high-quality games, and Xbox is the console that you buy when you want value. It's just, it's just the truth. It's just uh, becoming a fact right now. If you're interested in Xbox games, if you look at the Xbox library, and there's anything about it that sounds or looks interesting, the fables, the perfect darks, the things that you haven't even seen yet, Hellblade, maybe something you kind of partially saw, uh, Starfield, Elder Scrolls, whatever Arcane is working on coming up next, the Indiana Jones, whatever else is coming at next. If you're interested in that, you buy a PC. As long as you have, if you have the money to build a PC, you're better off investing into a PC than buying an Xbox. Xbox is running out of reasons to sell Xbox consoles. That's really where they're at. And, and look, there's a part of it that I'm sure that Xbox looks at it as like, look, that's not our aim. Our aim is, is software. Our aim is subscription services. Our aim is play anywhere. Our aim is xCloud. We're okay with people not buying as many consoles as they, as, as they used to. But I don't think that's really like 100% the sentiment at Xbox. I'm sure they're not happy that people aren't buying. They're looking at PlayStation 5 and they're being outsold two to one. That's because PlayStation 5 is giving their consumers reasons to buy that console. Xbox is running out of reasons to sell you a Series X console. When you look at something like this and you were excited about Redfall, why? Why wouldn't I just invest and, and build a, a, a PC? Why wouldn't I get a PC and put that on, try to find some, some layaway or a payment plan where I could play, pay it off monthly or build something slowly? Uh, and, and get a PC to a point where I know every Xbox game I'll be able to run at 60 frames and above. Like, come on. Like, what's going on? You know? Um, but overall, 
I don't think this is going to have a huge impact on sales. Like I said, if you're that person that goes, oh, this is running at 60 frames, I'm not buying it. Um, excuse me, it's not running at 60 frames, so I'm not going to buy it. I, I feel like you're not really that excited about it. Um, to me, this is still, even at 30 frames, the perfect Game Pass game. This is a really perfect Game Pass game. It's multiplayer. It still looks fun, even amidst everything. Um, but Redfall has, without a doubt, should be someone within Xbox, once this game releases, uh, someone within Arcane or Bethesda needs to use this game as an example of how not to market a video game. Because Arcane, Bethesda, Xbox, they've done everything wrong on how to market this game. It was confusing from the very beginning, right? Everyone thought it was left for dead. A few months later, they put out an article that said, no, it's actually closer to Borderlands. They did not get, do a good job of explaining what the game is. Then they had the always online requirement. Uh, Co-op sessions are not saved across. So if you do five missions with a buddy and you get kicked back to your games, you got to do those five missions again. I personally don't like that. The always online was a bad thing too. And honestly, the game just looks mid. But part of me is like, that's okay. Not every game needs to be some blow the door off the hinges type of crazy experience. Like Xbox can't be super hit, AAA, 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 super hit after hit after hit after hit. That's not how these things work, right? Um, but I think it's just, it's it's like um, Xbox fans are like famished. They're hungry, you know? And to for, for Xbox, this is like a drop of water to them. Xbox is just not doing enough. They continue to prove that they are just not a really good, solid publisher, especially when it comes out of the big three. They're in a distant third place. And it's just it's just horrible. It's horrible the way that uh, Xbox has been going um, this generation. This is crazy. Hot releases for the week. April 18th, we have Minecraft Legends, PC, PS4, PS5, Switch, Xbox One, Xbox Series X also coming to Game Pass Day 1. April 18th is also Disney Speedstorm, PC, PS4, PS5, Switch, Xbox One, Xbox Series X. This is early access. Now, just to remind you, this is a free-to-play game. You have to pay to play early. Don't know why you would do that, but okay. Uh, April 19th, Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster Collection, PS4, Switch, sorry, Square Enix, uh, sorry, I mean, excuse me, sorry, Xbox owner Square Enix hates you, we don't know why. Uh, also April 19th, Horizon Forbidden West, Burning Shores, that DLC, it is a PS5 exclusive, so sorry to all PS4 owners, I think this is the right decision though. Uh, April 21st, we have Dead Island 2, PC, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X. And then finally, same date, Advance Wars 1 Plus 2 Reboot Camp finally releases on Nintendo Switch. Now it's time for us to wrap it up. The stories we didn't have time to get to. Last week, Nintendo announced a new fan event called Nintendo Live coming to the Seattle this September. Visitors can expect to play Switch games, live stage performances, tournaments, and photo opportunities i guess we can see where the e3 budget went so think about it like this e nintendo looks like it's like okay we can blow our money put up a booth at, at e3 and have to deal with other people or we can just do it ourselves in september in order to prepare uh, ourselves and prepare our, our consumers for the holiday season where would you put your money right pretty simple according to the wall street journal uh sega has bought Angry Birds Studio Rovio for $776 million. So this started off as a rumor. 
Wall Street Journal said that it was for a billion dollars, but earlier, actually just earlier today, uh, Sega finalized it and they, they said the commitment was for 776 million. And all a lot of I've seen a lot of people online saying, why, why would Sega do this? Um, you know, uh, Angry Birds kind of revenue wise, they pulled in over 300 million last year, but I think their operating a net income is actually, they're operating at a loss at this moment. Um, but even with that, I still think, I actually think it's a good deal from both ends. I think Angry Birds has peaked. It's past its peak moment. They made that change where they're trying to monetize Angry Birds. It's not the base version anymore. A lot of people were upset about that. Kind of shows that the company is really kind of bleeding a little bit. Uh, so this is probably like a little bit of a parachute for Rovio. And now Sega has more mobile expertise. So I'm sure they can do an Angry Birds Sonic edition and, and make some good money. And uh, maybe pivot and have uh, these teams help them distribute more mobile experiences is something Sega has dipped their toe into, but obviously just like every other publisher, they want to get bigger. Uh, good news, bad news, good news. Ubisoft Plus is coming to Xbox. Bad news, costs $18 a month. Now that gives you access to about 67 games on Xbox, 40 on Luna and 100 plus on PC. So if you, play, if you pay those $18, uh, you can play across all those platforms. Um, so it's, it's a bad deal probably if you're Xbox only, but maybe if you're also on PC, that's a hundred plus games. Uh, the problem of course, is that in comparison to game pass, game pass being $15 and game pass has over 400 games compared to Ubisoft 67. So a lot of people are saying this is a bad deal. It's actually not. Let me tell you why it's not a bad deal. Uh, it's not a bad deal for new games. So eventually, um, uh, what's the name of this game? Assassin's Creed Mirage will come out. I'm pretty sure a lot of people just like myself, you can get it completed in one month. Guess what? That game is not $18. Skull and Bones looked like maybe it's not worth $70 to you. Guess what? Skull and Bones is now $18 to play on the Xbox. So honestly, it's not that bad of a deal when you look at it like that. Or if, hey, I want to play through every single Assassin's Creed before the next one, right? $18 seems like a steal at that point. It's definitely not something, though, to have on a recurring subscription. This is something you subscribe to, and then you immediately go to options, and you cancel it so they don't uh, charge you again. And then finally, following rumors of its delay, uh, Rocksteady has officially pushed Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League from May 26th all the way back to February 2nd, 2024. Um, this is a little bit surprising because I don't think that this is enough time to really change the game. They can pivot a little bit. I think they can focus better on the marketing. Maybe they can have an extra character or two ready for launch because they did talk about there being extra characters, right? So that can help the appeal of the game. Maybe they're more prepared by February to have a really good year-long um, roadmap and stuff like that. Maybe showcasing exactly what battle passes do. Um, so I think this is more of a marketing thing, but I don't think fundamentally we're going to see much of a shift in the type of game that it is. So I wouldn't really expect that. Shout out to the week. Shout out to Hidetaka Miyazaki, who was put on a time um, 100 list, which is 100 most influential people of the year. He becomes just the second video game um, developer or someone within the video game industry to get this. The last one was Miyamoto in 2007. And then shout out to Nintendo. The uh, Super Mario Brothers theme is the first piece of video game music to be preserved in, uh, by the Library of Congress. And 
The Super Mario Brothers movie has passed $500 million globally, officially making it the biggest video game film of all time, surprised Warcraft, and it's easily on its way to becoming uh, a billion dollar video game film. So pretty, pretty amazing stats there for um, uh, Nintendo. So thank you guys so much for joining me. Please follow us on Twitter and YouTube at Kent Koji for future updates. Once again, I'm Joel, and I will see you all next week.